Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 401 on Tuesday, the 25th of May, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And whilst we clutch our towels and put lilac in our buttonholes, we'll be asking if Alan is in fact Nostradamus. We discuss a move by Ofgem, which could be the spark for public confidence in EVs. And we celebrate a British win in the WRC, even if BBC Sport only talked about a Portuguese football manager's drive at the event. But first, we go into the amazing news follow-up. Alan only mentioned it <laughs> in passing last week. <laughs> yeah, I said it would be back again. I wasn't expecting quite so soon as the next morning. <laughs> But yeah, Going Gates back, Andrew. Yeah. And this was the case in Holland that Gone was taking Nissan to court for uh, unfair dismissal. Because if we remember into the myths of time that there was a Nissan and Mitsubishi entity in Holland, also the Nissan Mitsubishi BV, um, which was Dutch registered and apparently paid Gone something in the region of 5 million euros. Gome was saying that they'd unfairly dismissed him, so he was owed 15 million. And Nissan Mitsubishi went, no, this wasn't properly registered, and he was using that to funnel money to avoid paying taxes and doing it all properly, which is the whole crux of the legal case against Gome. Mm-hmm. Carefully wording that. That was very careful. Because there's there's other reasons, obviously. The civil case, <laughs> not the criminal cases. Yeah. The civil case but no it's, it's part of the criminal as well is that hmm. he was unfairly being paid more than the shareholders were being made aware of. Mm-hmm. but what's actually happened is that the courts in amsterdam have turned around and gone actually mr go you owe this joint venture the money they paid you because you shouldn't have got it <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird one that actually him having to pay it back. I could understand them saying saying no to the fifteen million that he was asking for, but it, it's saying that, that essentially the board member who signed his employment contract at the joint venture didn't actually have the power to do so. And then you get into a weird thing about well, should he not have then refused to do it, and is that not the fault of the board member? But then you don't know what pressures were put on the board member. You could quite easily say, well, actually they paid you it when they hadn't employed you properly so therefore you've ended up with it rather than having to pay it back the murky waters of of uh, employment law yep quite. it's back in the news it's i wonder what's going to happen next because i know the american chap been extradited to japan who helped him escape the father and son mm. from the contract but i haven't heard any more on that front so we'll have to just see what the next legal step is in this i presume he's going to appeal because they always do on these large judgments. Yes. Anyway, let's leave the murky world of the Rebel Alliance and let's go to some good news for EV. Well, it is, yes, as you teased at the top of the show. Off-gem, uh, the... What's the best way to describe off-gem, really? It is the, the overseeing entity for electricity generation and distribution, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They are going to invest £300 million in EV infrastructure projects around the UK. And that's really all about getting the cabling and the invisible infrastructure to most of us, the substations, the cabling, all the supply stuff 
in place so that we can have more rapid and ultra rapid charges around the country and it gives a i love in the last the last paragraph here it says cities like glasgow kirkwall Okay, that's not really a city. Uh, Warrington, Clandudno, definitely not York a city. And Truro, <laughs> and Truro, possibly a city, uh, will benefit from increased network capacity. It's all about upgrading all of the different areas. It's not just about cars, by the way, or purely about cars. It's about things like uh, charging points at railway stations in North and Mid Wales as well, mm. and the electrification of the Windermere Ferry, which I thought sounded quite interesting. <laughs> That's good news. Mm -hmm. I mean, North and Midwells need. Let's move on to more new news, um, sort of news, because it's a bit old news now, but <laughs> because it's talking about how British roads have the oldest cars on record. This is the average age. Cars are 8.4 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's almost 10 million cars, which are 13 years or older, still in daily use, I feel seen. Uh, so should you. <laughs> When you give that number, that's 20, almost 28% uh, of all the cars on the road right in the UK right now. Mm. But funnily, funnily enough, there is the, the least number of cars on the road since 2009, I think it is. Yes. There's a, a couple of reasons for that, which there is a link in the show notes for this section. There's going to be two links. The first one is talking about this exact issue of older car, more older cars on the road at the moment because people haven't been changing them. But then there's an, which is from Motor and Research, and then there's an article from Autocar which goes on to discuss why there is such a demand for secondhand cars right now, mm -hmm. which is a combination of. The pandemic and obviously the chip shortage, which we have discussed several times recently. Yes. So do click on both those links, please. Yes, they are both really good stories. Next up is one that was hitting, uh, seemed to hit the news today, yesterday, and it's about a patent that Ford has filed. And it's a patent to display adverts in vehicles' entertainment systems or infotainment systems. Now, the first thing to say about this is that just because somebody has registered a patent doesn't mean they're going to do anything about it. True. It's the thing that must be said. They can do it. They've had an idea. They've come up with a novel idea. They have protected themselves and they've made sure that nobody else can do it. Or if they want to, they have to pay them a lot of licensing fees. Or they can license it to others. Hmm. Should other people decide that the use of that is worth more to them than the licensing fees? The idea is that as you're driving along, you come up and you approach and you pass a billboard. What a system implementing or using or realizing this patent would do is that it would then bring it could then bring the information from the billboard inside your infotainment system and perhaps add a little more information that they can't necessarily add on a billboard. Obviously, this would have to happen in a safe and legal and non-distracting manner, none of which is discussed, but it might be possible to do it. Now, I think that very few of us would state that this is a good thing or something that we desire in our cars. That seems to be the general consensus of that there social media that I'm part of. <laughs> It does, uh, but 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 you know what happens is people get outrageously, yes, of course, uh, of course, outrageously outraged. You know, some apps and some navigation systems can already do this kind of thing. Yep, ways. 
in that using proximity to pinpoints and that kind of stuff or, or geolocation can, when you are stopped, display a small advert saying, hey, here's a McDonald's. Or why not go and try a Nissan Leaf, both of which are ones I've had in the past. This kind of thing does already exist. There's a link to story in interestingengineering.com, which is not one of our usual sources, but when I saw it linked, I read it and thought, oh, that's quite good. It has an interesting point where it could be one of these things where you pay a little bit more to not get the advert. A little bit like if you've got a Kindle. I have the slightly more expensive Don't Show Me the Adverts Kindle. Yeah. As opposed to the every time I turn it off, we get a different advert. It's there. It's possible. It is a patent. It has been filed. Don't know if it's been granted. I think at the core of this is the the f- is is a digital, well, not even digital, but it, it's, it's playing out in the digital side of society. Hmm. Is that well? There must be advertising. And let let's be clear, because the problem is I'm quite vocal against this sort of stuff. No. I'm vocal against stuff that's being poorly executed. So I mm. am I am I am not silly enough to think that there shouldn't be advertising, that advertising does not have a place mm-hmm. in society. I mean, we even mentioned about pursuing the idea of advertising on this podcast. However, there are certain ways that this podcast would execute that and not do it as some companies are trying to do it uh-huh or platforms do yeah that that we that we see a lot of the internet being ruined because people are being tracked etc and this is just another piece in that jigsaw of our digital profiles mm-hmm. it would be so much easier for for us if we if we weren't so sodding ethical about it uh, yeah <laughs> we we would definitely be earning money <laughs> significantly mm-hmm. more money than uh, we're kindly supported by patrons with but we we do foolishly stick by some principles <laughs> it's our own mad daftness but i think obviously there will be adverts and stuff and this sort of leads its way as well towards the imagined future of autonomous vehicles and if you're not driving then taking the info off a billboard and plonking it on a screen in front of you if you're just sat there removes so many of the problems yeah. that we would that we have if we're actually the driver mm-hmm. it's one of those things that the way system it doesn't show you i don't really have a problem with it i don't have a problem with it but it do, it won't show you the adverts when you're driving it's only when you're stationary it's, yeah. it's that kind of that kind of stuff now imagine if it were implemented in a vehicle where the driver must pay attention and be aware and ready to respond then it would have to be implemented in a similar manner or it would be on the screens of other people in the car yes possible sorry we've talked a long, long, long time we've done we've done a lot of ifs and buts and uh, well that's what i was going to say we, we, we've, <laughs> we've supposed a lot and that's what everybody else is doing as well yeah. by the way there is an, an awful lot of supposition around this just because it exists doesn't mean it's going to be used and we do object to some scenarios that have been mapped out. Do we? Of this idea. Some of them just get silly, though. Per se, it's not It's not necessarily bad. It's how it's going to be executed that will be yeah. the, the key crux to this. Absolutely, absolutely. So the patent and the idea is, is not necessarily a bad one. Yeah. Agreed. Right, I will take us on to some code that is bad, though. 
<laughs> or was. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing a couple of weeks ago about Tencent's security team having identified problems with Tesla. Um, but they've now also released some information on Mercedes-Benz cars following the uh, Mercedes-Benz user experience infotainment system. And they found vulnerabilities in that, uh, that they were able to access certain parts of the infotainment. They were able to send messages in and out of the car. They were able to actually change settings and affect things within the car, but not, and I have to stress this, but not anything to do with any of the driving elements of the car. So they were able to change the interior lighting. They were able to open sunroof shields. They were able to uh, change the lighting in the rear. They could put, um, they could do the lighting on sun visors and things like that. They could, they could have changed that. But they were at no point were they able to do anything to the steering, the brakes, the engine, or anything like that. So just really need to be clear on this because the problem with all these when it when somebody shouts hacking is it can create a fear that isn't perhaps warranted getting access to this stuff is not good by the way mm-hmm. i am not trying to play down this this really isn't good and it shouldn't happen but at least it wasn't in a position to they weren't in a position to be able to affect the car although they could access the car whilst it was moving so if you want to know even more details and sort of technical witchcrafty bits and things, then just click on the Security Week link that we were kindly sent by one of our listeners uh, last week. So thank you very much for that. But uh, do read through. It is actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the chance to check whether it's connected with the... With the Tesla one, yeah. ...same vulnerability that they found with the, with the Tesla, mm-hmm. but um, possibly it is. But it's uh, oh, and I also need to say, Mercedes have actually started rolling out the patch for this from January 2021. This information has been released after the manufacturer was made aware. Yes, there's no mention in there as to whether or not it's got anything to do with the screens just going blank. No, it probably doesn't. Probably doesn't. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the end of the first part for two nine, uh, for this week, I should say. So normally uh, we'd go into guilt minute, but. We have some follow-up of our own from episode 400 the other day. So two things to do with the prize draw. First of all, Paula Mortar, you won the Pioneer Dash Cam. Please could you get in touch again with your address and the correct email address, please? Because the one that you use to enter doesn't, it's, I tried to send you emails, it gets bounced back. So if you could uh, just do that again via the contact page, then that would be fab. We can sort that out and we can get the, the awesome Pioneer Dash Cam on the way to, on the way to you uh, very soon. If we don't hear from you in the next week or so, then we may well have to redraw that. Yep. Okay, so it would be great. Paula, please do get in touch if you can. Yeah, we want you to get your prize if, you, if you're out there listening. <laughs> yeah. The second one is that Tony Williams, who's a lovely chap anyway, he already receives an Autocar subscription included in a bundle of stuff. So he has asked if we can redraw that so that somebody else can benefit from it. Thankfully, I've still got everybody's names and I've still got them all in the same hat because I couldn't work out what to do with them. <coughs> so, Laziness. <coughs> so I was procrastinating. <laughs> so it's worked out really, really well. <laughs> Reinforcing that behavior. <laughs> yes, exactly. So here is the cowboy hat of good luck and good fortune. 
I know, she'll stir it around. Genuine, genuine stirry roundy noises. Yes. Patrons who watch this can testify that you are doing this in, yes. a, in a proper manner, like you did last week. Yes, I shall put that on the ground. I shall open this up. Uh, James Friend. Brilliant. James, uh, I shall be in touch, uh, hopefully more quickly than I was with last week's uh, stuff, and uh, we shall we shall get hold of your your address, and um, Autocast subscription will be on you on its way. Congratulations, James. Congratulations, yes. Right, whilst you make a note of that, I will take us on to Portugal. Can I quickly oh. give us a quick follow up about the last uh, the last story? Because this is the joy of being oh, a patron. Okay. Yes. You see, yes, 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 yes. if you're watching. You can correct us in real time. Uh, it's worth pointing out that one of our listeners is pointing out that Tesla was a static Wi-Fi key for service access, so it was something different. Okay. But I was uh, the connection I was wondering was the uh, the code, the vulnerability in the code that they found, okay. whether that was connected. You two get a room, <laughs> and we'll, go, we'll move on, and you can talk about WRC. Okay. Moving back to Portugal. Otherwise, we'll just might as well rewind 10 minutes. <laughs> Moving on to Portugal. And the fantastic news that Elvin Evans won Rally Portugal. Yay. Not that, as I said at the start of the show, not that BBC Sport reported on that. They reported on an ex-premiership football manager actually taking part in the rally and going, ooh, the jumps are a bit big. Just beggar's belief. But never mind. That is the way that it is. Back to better news, though. Evans won. However, on the first couple of days, it looked like it was going to be Hyundai that were going to be at the top. Mm -hmm. First, Nouveau was flying. Then he had he had a biggie um, where he had to be rolled back on his uh, wheels from from actually a crowd, from actually spectators. Amazingly, who put him back on his wheels. He made it to the end of the end of the stage. Had to try and make some repairs, but they immediately broke. So that was. Him done. Mm-hmm. Optanic then took over, and he was flying. I actually DM'd a friend of the show uh, about how well he was doing, and almost immediately he was out the suspension. Oh, oh, nicely done there, yes. Andrew. Well, I, well, jinx. Yes, I did, and I then immediately apologised for jinxing. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe it. it. Was like, oh, that that is really me. That was all my fault, even here from this distance. Um, But it didn't look like Tannic had had any impact damage. Mm -hmm. So it looks like just the suspension went through attrition. Mm -hmm. Um, That meant that Evans took over the lead with Sordo behind him and Auger, who was nowhere, absolutely nowhere in this rally up to that point, was the third. Uh, And he held out in the end, even though he was pushed really hard by his teammate, uh, what's the chap's name? Takamoto Katsuta. Yeah, I saw a video of him going around one particular corner and he wiped out the rear wing, but he was flying, that that young lad was. There's a wonderful photo of him making progress on the Colin Clark Rally Portugal driver ratings, which uh, on dirtfish.com. Uh, which will be linked in the which is linked in the show notes. Yeah, it's just a well. They're all wonderful photos. All the stuff, all the photos from Rally Portugal that are on Dirtfish seem to be absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, that yeah. one's particularly good. Yeah, they they do a great. It's it's like the race using um, spaceship media when they do the Formula E ones. Their pictures mm. are always just amazing, beautiful. 
so, but then uh, he he backed off. So Ogier came in third. Uh, Sordo was second, and Evans won by twenty eight seconds or so. Ogier is now in the lead of the championship by two points, off from Evans, with Tanek and Nouveau then only being able to make up points via. Uh, special stages after being stuck back together with lots of duct tape, I would imagine. <laughs> Sticky back plaster. They are 20 and 30 odd points behind OJ now. So they mm-hmm. need a couple of very dull rallies where they score big. Yeah. Uh, Toyota, in the manufacturer standings, uh, Toyota are 37 points ahead. Yeah, uh, already. So that's yeah. There's going to be, as ever, the what we learned article, which is uh, excellent, uh, and as Alan said, the driver ratings, which is again very good. Mm. But there's there's another bit that comes from the WRC two that I just needed to mention because Ole Christian Vilby has been suspended from the WRC for six months, along with his co-driver Jonas Anderson, who got three months suspension. Because they breached the uh, coronavirus protocols for Rally Portugal. Andreas Mikkelsen, who was the title leader, was sidelined on Monday with a positive test. Those other two were tested Monday but were negative, but then tested positive on the Thursday. What the problem is, is they didn't declare that on May the 7th and 8th at the Targa Florio rally, they were with Mikkelsen within close proximity. Mm-hmm. So, as a consequence of not passing that information on, they and Hyundai got in some serious trouble because yeah. they just can't afford to mess about with any of this. It's They've been so good, they've done so well in being able to hold events yep. safely that there's no choice but to do there's this. There's no wiggle room. This isn't something there's, people can afford to mess about with. No, it it's... The, I don't want to sound melodramatic, but it's pretty much the future of the sport Yeah, if they have to miss another season. So it's the least... I think they they got off relatively lightly in a don't do this again anyone yeah mm-hmm. and well he's going to spend six months kicking himself for being silly yeah because you you can you can just imagine it's just a forgetting but you can't afford mm-hmm. to forget these things no, no no it's important new new car news Alan yes false to me not a huge number of new cars announced this week although people have been away sneaking away driving stuff so it must have been something impressive given the amount of things they're going it was North Wales and it begins with an F. And doesn't end in Iat. Not all of them were. There was a big chunk were. That wasn't North Wales. Some of them were abroad. So. Mm, okay. <laughs> anyway, not related to that, Seat have unveiled their new electric hatchback, the Cupra Born. Sorry, well, not Seat. Cupra have unveiled yes. it. That's really bad. S. Sorry, it's there. Cannot see a word between an S on my screen other than Spanish. Uh, so it's the first fully electric Cooper model, and it's going to be available with uh, with output varying from between 150 brake horsepower to uh, 231 brake horsepower and a range of up to 335 miles. Uh, it's based on the Volkswagen MEB platform. Uh, that means it's an i3 underneath. It's virtually the same in size and... It will be, yeah. Technically yeah, it's, it's, identical, pretty much. Yes. Different suspension, different chassis tuning, different steering and powertrain tuning. But it's the same platform. 
Uh, which is not a surprise. Is no, that's why I guess not. So it's it's ID three size. It'll weigh about. I would imagine, given it, given how similar it is, it'll weigh about eighteen hundred kilos or so. Yeah. Uh but it looks good. The press photos that we've got on this autocar article, the blue is particularly nice, and I think yeah. the copper accents, although on the on the wheels, maybe a bit much, but the copper accents around the rest of the car, I really quite like against that blue. It's a nice contrast against that blue. Because I've seen a couple of ID3s now locally, uh-huh. and one of them's got really poor-looking, although I understand why they've got them, but poor-looking hubcaps. Yeah, well, they're standard across much of the range, although all the press cards seem to be on alloys. Yeah, I, I hope that it's a similar... that the Bourne actually looks quite close to this when it when we get it. Well, no, th- this this should be how it looks. Uh, the Bourne is obviously the sportier one, so the chances are that it'll come with with that. One thing to remember about uh, these MEB platform cars, though, is that they will tend to have quite a lot of cover on the wheels. So don't expect spindly alloys. No, no. Yeah. Two reasons for that. One is aero. The other one is to slightly disguise the fact that it has drum rear brake. Ah. Which isn't an issue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because most of the stuff is, you know, most of the, the braking, or quite a lot of the braking is done through regen. And obviously front brakes do most of that anyway. But they're drum brakes, and so people don't think of them... Be, they should be on a performance vehicle just because because we're used to that from from internal combustion engines and front engine stuff. Mm. I think it's worth mentioning is this is a rear wheel drive Seat. It's been a long, long time since it's been one of them. Yep. In fact, it's probably something rear engined and and shared with Fiat that long ago. <laughs> yes. Definitely pre definitely pre the original Ibiza anyway. Yes. In my mind, I'm, I'm probably you know before the whatever the versions of the Ritmo and the Strada and the Marbella and all that stuff. So, so yes, that'll be the first rear-wheel drive set for quite a long time, I would imagine. But I think it looks great. It sounds interesting. There is a line in this art- Autocar article saying that it has a bespoke Cupra-branded domestic wall box. It's also available for home charging. If that doesn't come with the Decepticon logo that gl- glowing in red, I will be really, really disappointed. <laughs> I presume it's going to be a copper-covered, coloured box. Uh, it'll be something like that. It'll but have it, to it, be. It, but they're all—all all the rest of them are all the sort of, you know, they glow blue or they glow green. Mm. It would just be really nice to have one that just looks really angry. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. They're talking prices-wise. There, there hasn't been a, an official announcement yet, but the expectation mm. is to be just under thirty-five thousand. For the lower spec models, which is a little bit more than the ID3, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. Whether people, whether badge, but but what interest but, actually outweighs when it comes to EVs. But watch there be a Seat branded one, which is cheaper than the Golf. Probably, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. It, but what, what I say would be interesting to see whether people get over the the badge issues when it comes to EVs, which, I mean, we've never been able to understand the badge issues with Seat anyway. We've never really been able to understand Seat, or, or well, even Cooper. Cooper is, is like Seat, but one removed. So yeah, at some point, we will get around to speaking to Seat, about Seat and Cooper about it. I'd intended on doing it by now, but unfortunately, at launches I was initially invited to were cancelled. Mm-hmm. But it is a definite plan, because we are we are very interested and we want to know. Because mm-hmm. I think they could be very interesting. They could be very interesting brands. I like that this is the closest looking thing to the Seat Salsa concept from ages ago. This is the yeah. best looking concept since the first Monospace uh, Leon. 
which I think is still a good-looking car. A little mm-hmm. bit edsily toilet seaty around the grill. But other than that, I think it's a great-looking car, and this actually is more of a return to that and more distinctive than the current brand, the current range of yeah. Seats, where it is mostly a Golf with a nasty scripty font on the back. Yes. Maybe I won't be invited to any more Seat launches. Who can tell with statements like that? Sorry about that. I'm, I was going to say, I, I'll put forward this this episode as a reason to for Seat to speak to us again. It just really annoyed... <laughs> no, sorry. It just I've been behind a bunch of Seats lately, and it's just the scriptiness has annoyed me. And, and I think it actually all fits with the Volkswagen and Skoda and just the way they've all put their badges on the back. Mm-hmm. The, the style of the font is a bigger differentiator as anything else and just when you've got a sort of sharp edgy vehicle then this kind of comedy script font just looks a bit aff okay just doesn't gel sorry but that's personal opinion and is no reflection on the quality or the drivability of any of the vehicles mentioned Hopefully not too late when now you say that. Right, talking of design, though, I'm going to take us to the designer's mood board, and we have two entries this this week, amazingly. But I'll start the first one, and this is Rolls-Royce. And the fact that they have appointed a new design direct, or director of design, and that's Anders Vorming. Uh, I think we've tried to guess that's how you pronounce the name. We've even researched how you pronounce yes, it. Yes, we have actually for a change, because we've realised that, well, I've realised I butcher everybody's name. <laughs> One day, one day we'll we'll get Andrew to pronounce the name of the chief executive officer of Rolls Royce Motorcars. One day, but not today. So he's going to take over from the first of July in Rolls Royce. And if we remember, uh, Joseph Caban was in and then out again very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's not had a great couple of years with moving round. So hopefully he's settled down now. But Vorming came from, he was head of design at Mini for three years, for six years, sorry, and he was also three years as exterior chief design at BMW and worked under Bangle. So Mm -hmm. I find Rolls-Royce an interesting one because they don't deviate that much from an overall shape, except for, you know, obviously the Cullinan's a different vehicle. But you know that that is a Rolls-Royce, is what I mean. They, ha- they are distinctively Rolls-Royce. Even if they will do coach-built ones that shift stuff around, you still know it's a Rolls-Royce. Mm. That's the important bit. It's worth mentioning, by the way, that, that Vorming uh, had spent some time a few years outside of the BMW group with his own design house before coming back in. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Second designer's mood board is the appointment of a new Fiat and a Bath head of design, François Leboine will join the Stellantis Design Organization as Fiat and Bath Head of Design on the 1st of June, uh, and he'll report into Jean-Pierre Pluet, the Chief Design Officer of Stellantis. So it was a bit of a shuffle around the other week. Uh, if you're not sure who Leboine is, uh, he was previously in charge of Renault Advanced Design, and as it goes on in the in the press release, uh, he, he is a passionate advocate for beautiful design from the Renault Twizy. Okay, I like it, but I wouldn't say it's beautiful. <laughs> to the Espace, the Espace 5, which is a good-looking car. Yeah. And he developed on the Clio, the Capture, and the Dacia Sanger, Sandero of Chief, Chief of Exterior Design Studio. And as head of, the adva- head of Advanced Design, he oversaw the creation of the Renault 5 prototype that everyone was singing the praises of at the recent big Renault event and the Morphos uh, concept car as well. That's a pretty darned good recent, recent CV. Yes. Uh, there. And I... I hope it means that 
Fiat will be able to move beyond the 500. I don't necessarily mean change the 500 too much. But. Well, I think he's he's shown he can he can draw a shape other than the 500. <laughs> well, yes, I think that's a pretty good start, really, when it comes to Fiat and the Bath design. Yes, but so that should be this should be interesting and hopefully interesting in a really good way. I'd love to see what comes through. I'd love to see some 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 modern Fiat that that are influenced by other you know Fiat's that may just about have been launched within my lifespan. Well, you know, you know how we've we've praised Peugeot mm. and how they have really, in quite a short space of time, turned around their design. Yeah, to generally pretty attractive. You know, I, I'm I was behind a, a two o is it two o eight or two o nine? They're on now. No, uh, they're oh yeah, whatever yeah. the latest the version is. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that even behind, and even though it was uh-huh. in a black and it was filthy, I thought. That's a really good-looking design. It is, and I, I just love the way that the rear, you know, the rear marker lights are on, e- yeah. even with the, the DRLs and those claws. It's just such a nice thing. And so if it's little touches. We get stuff like that through, then that's what we really want to really want to see. But I, but I think they I will bring. I think they will bring that to Fiat because they are they are clearly he is clearly driven at the top with. He want it could, because we were talking about this recently that he likes a he likes a design you know things to to work within a brand mm-hmm. and that whilst they may share the platform therefore save the cost it probably or hopefully allows them to be a bit more experimental with the look and mm-hmm. we all love you know the madness of Fiat in years gone by and we just like we just like them to be competitive yeah. and release cars that are attractive again apart from the five hundred. <laughs> yeah. So no more Tipos, please, and uh no, well, no more. Do, do a Tipo, but make it good. <laughs> yeah, but not like the current one. No. But if you're basing it on the three oh nine, three oh eight platform. There's no excuse not, because the proportions will be pretty much rightish anyway. Yeah. So, so pretty much rightish. Well done, Alan. Yes. We does anyway, their we... words. <laughs> I know. Shall we move on? Yes. Let's move across the Atlantic, Andrew. Yeah, it's a lunchtime watch, actually this time hmm. and if you unless you were living under a rock even on this side of the pond we will have noticed that Ford have unveiled an electric vehicle in the last week <laughs> but it's not just an electric vehicle it is for the US it is the electric vehicle yes the Ford F150 as a purely electric pickup and to say they have managed to cause a stir and managed to grab everyone's attention is an understatement. But what Mm -hmm. we may not understand over here, all of us, is just how important the F-150 is to America and to Americans and and what a iconic vehicle it is, even though they're still chucking them out at thousands a day. Yeah. So there's a link in here to um, an MSNBC report on what the F-150 is all about and and what a step making it electric is. Yes, exactly. Well, it's, it's Rachel Maddow, who is an MSNBC political reporter and car nut, as she explains uh, in this. And she's explaining the cultural significance of this and the way 
that it's being done in that people are well she's also a ford f-150 nut and she does say that in it that she has owned a number of them but it's all about how it's the important bit isn't that it's electric the important bit is that it's better for people it's easier to use it's more convenient and she talks about the the hybrid i think is it plug-in hybrid but the hybrid version as well and the benefits and why people are just lapping that up Mm. it's it's really good it's like it's a six minute monologue it's blooming impressive from that point of view as well yeah i'm i'm really impressed with the launch to be fair to ford yeah because it's one thing renaming an electric vehicle a mustang Mm -hmm. because the mustang has gone through a lot of iterations from the original and some have worked less well than others over times. <laughs> yeah, the Mac Two not being not being the, the the greatest in the world. Yeah, so that was that was one step. But the F one fifty. So you you cannot mess that up because the backlash from the public will be like a tidal wave and will bury that new model, which mm-hmm. no one can afford with an electric vehicle at the moment because they take so much investment. Plus, it requires such a... I mean, if we think it's bad in this country and in Europe to get people to consider and let alone accept electric vehicles, in America, wow. <laughs> oh, you've got to be a communist before you drive an EV in America, haven't you? Yes, quite. So th- this is really impressive, really impressive uh, bit of monologue. Um, and I do encourage you to to watch it just just from a cultural point of view. Yeah. As much as anything. Um, and we know several friends of the shows that uh, discuss at length about the cultural importance of cars and what they mean to people. And, and this really does hammer that home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good piece. I, I, I really liked it. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like when I started. But yeah, it's it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. List of the week this week, though. Yes. Is back on this side of the pond, and it is a list of the best UK road trips as voted for by Brits. And it was sponsored by, because it is sponsored, MFG Motor Fuel Group. There we go, whoever they are. Congratulations, you've just not quite had a plug uh, on the motoring podcast. Apologies, it's a U Magazine one. But yes, the list but is it's good. actually a good list. That the good list outweighed it. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't involve Prince Harry or Meghan Markle or any of that kind of crud. So it, it sort of passed passed muster. Uh, anyway, there are many. There are twenty uh, fifteen on here. Andrew, yep. do you have a particular favourite? I'm fighting between two now. I think what needs to be clear is these are not necessarily roads to hoon down, but they are enjoyable roads with encompassing beautiful landscapes i'm sorry i don't understand what you've just said there well the atlantic highway between barnstable and yuki you do not hone down hoon down that i'll tell you that for starters <laughs> but it okay. is absolutely stunning to drive down mm-hmm. so yeah and you can't hoon on the cat and fiddle either because it's it's 50 mile an hour speed speed cameras from start to end these days yeah I think for me, one of the favourite roads I've ever been on was number twelve, mm-hmm. the road, a road to the Isles. So from Fort William to Malag, I've, I that was just amazing. I've, I've been on that road as it was coming up to sunset as well, and it was it was a clear sky as well. I was I was so lucky, <laughs> no, knowing <laughs> that was. all that was at the end of it was Malague, yeah, Malague. Sorry, 
It's beautiful. It's it's an absolutely stunning road. Uh, do you know what? The killer is that's the one I was going to choose because I thought it was obscure enough that you wouldn't have been on it. But we've named three others. But now, we have named anyway. a number of others, so I'm not <laughs> going to name another one, but that, that was actually the one that I, I was going to choose. I am quite pleased with the number I've driven. Not the Atlantic Highway. That's one of the few I haven't I haven't driven. I've, I've driven many of the others, and it's just they are... They are well worth it. Yep. Yeah. Check it. Check the list out. See if you agree for starters, and then see how many you can tick off. Hmm. Anyway, and finally, this week falls to you, Andrew. It does, and it's a it's an oldie, but it it is goodie. Uh, Jalopnik, and the I'm going to read out <laughs> read out the headline. Celebrity spot. This is American celebrities in goofy car commercials. <laughs> <laughs> some greatest hits. <laughs> so uh, this is some of the. This is some of the car commercials that have been promoted by actors, uh, mainly from America. Some of them for the Japanese market, but clearly, clearly they only did it for the cash. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're pretty pretty grim. Um, so so you can have uh, a couple of minutes of in, uh, enjoying in inverted commas. Some of the uh, some of the skills displayed by the actors when it comes to uh, promoting these vehicles, <laughs> as the yes. paymasters requested. <laughs> I say it is a bit of an old one. It's from July last year, and it's by a friend of the show, uh, Max Finkel. It is good fun though. It's nice. Yes, it's a fun. good one. It's a good one. If you, by the way, folks, if you do spot things that you think should be the air and finally during the week, please don't hesitate to point us. Point, point them in our direction, or us in their direction, even. Um, bizarrely, believe it or not, this is the hardest segment of the show to come up with, with stories for at the minute. Yeah. It used to be really easy. At the minute, there's just a bit of a dearth of them. So if you do see something that's unusual and a bit interesting, please don't hesitate to, to, point, it, to point us in its general direction. Yep, absolutely. It goes with that any article as well, as, as oh, we, yeah, yeah, we demonstrated in this episode. We, we do try to, yeah, yeah. It's good to to, to mention these things. Uh, yes, parish notes. Obviously, special edition. Uh, four hundredth episode came out last Friday. Yeah, eventually uh, we yeah. recorded it last. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, these things happen, uh, and we recorded it on Thursday. Thanks, uh, Wednesday. Thank you so much to everyone and the nice words they've said about it. Yes. And congratulations have sent us as well. It's really nice of you. It's it's really lovely of you. Um, it's, it's much much appreciated. We're glad you enjoyed it because it was a little bit scary for us because it worked for me uh, because it was a sort of different format and doing it live and all that kind of thing. It was, it was good, good fun. There'll also be another special edition out this Friday. Andrew had a car for a week and didn't bother telling anyone about it, as usual. Uh, you, uh, how dare you? There was at least two tweets <laughs> with pictures, Ooh. with pictures Ooh. whilst I had the car. Uh, it's, slowly 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 i will wear him down eventually <laughs> at some point i will educate him but never mind no the problem was i could i could just i can't not one photograph did that car any justice i took no i did notice you take you had actually taken an awful lot of photo photos because i have i've spotted them and not on not on public line and you've taken a lot of really nice ones of an awesome car. So that should be really good. That's out. That will be out on Friday, we hope, as long as we record it tomorrow night. And <laughs> what was the other thing? I must share the link again to to vote for us. 
Oh yes, in that we're nominated for podcast an independent award. podcast award that is from a company from the UK, but they are not holding themselves just to UK. We are down under the special interest section because there isn't one for um, there isn't one for motoring. There's a lot of scrolling, <laughs> and then you've got to click some. You've got to vote, and then you've got to click a thing to say you accept some terms and conditions, and then you've got to press a button to submit the vote. And then it comes up with another thing, which it wants you to log into, and you just choose vote anonymously. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I did anyway. And then eventually it goes, well done, you voted. And but like, but it will, it will um, keep a record of the IP address just to make sure nobody's gaming the system. Yeah. However, um, there will be a point... That's what it's asking you about, really. Yeah, that's, what, that's all it is. Um, and, but there will come a point where you're allowed to do multiple votes down the line of this process so the, we will bang on again very loudly mm. so we any support you can give us we'd appreciate one because we really we hope you really do enjoy what we do two independent podcasts do not get as much of a voice and a lot of people think there's only NPR, BBC, or yeah. Spotify, or Apple are the only podcast things when that's not the case. Uh, and the, and the final uh, point is that we would quite like competitions to recognise motoring, yeah, as a category on its own, especially now, especially after the last couple of years. But there's loads. There's there's such a, a great variety now of really good podcasts out there that are to do with cars. Um, so the more support for this niche the better yeah well we've been saying that for five and a half years yeah. so before our time that's our challenge that's our problem <laughs> anyway uh that i believe we'll do for this mm-hmm. week so don't forget now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget about our patreon offer and any of the other ways you can support us available at motoringpodcast.com support and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people don't send me or the actual podcast Twitter handle articles, interesting, funny, or scary, whatever it is, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? The best way is via Twitter, or I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.